if you're one of the millions of Americans who watch The Bachelor, you're probably familiar with the idea that there are right reasons to go on the show and wrong reasons to go on the show. Contestants talk about it all the time. She's not here for the right reasons. Truly feel like she's here for the right reasons. And just as a reminder, girls, if you aren't here for the right reasons, your nearest exit may be in the limo behind you. And if you're not familiar with The Bachelor, this has always been pretty simple. Looking for love is the so-called right reason. Trying to get on TV is the wrong reason. But in recent seasons, contestants have started to talk about a different kind of wrong reason to go on the show. She's trying to create hashtags for her brand. Like, I don't need this to build my brand. I built my business myself. This talk about brands and hashtags It's a reference to a fundamental truth about The Bachelor in the modern age. Contestants come on the show to become Instagram influencers, and they make a lot of money doing it. But this season, The Bachelor is finally grappling with what that means on the show itself. And in typical Bachelor fashion, it's messy and dramatic. Previously... On Reset. Oh my god, the surveillance is just too much. I feel like Mark Zuckerberg is here for the wrong reasons. I can't wait to introduce body cams to my family. But tonight... Guys, The Bachelor is being reshaped by social media and influencer culture. It's like it's a totally different show now. What does it all mean? It's all coming up on Reset. Emma Gray is a senior reporter at HuffPost and the co-host of Here to Make Friends, one of the most popular podcasts that breaks down and analyzes The Bachelor. She's here to help us understand the online ecosystem around The Bachelor and how it's changed the show. So Emma, I am deeply invested in this show, but if I didn't know anything about The Bachelor, what is it and what should people know about it? The Bachelor is one of the longest-running American reality shows. Once upon a time, there was a charming young bachelor searching for the woman of his dreams. It started in 2002. The basic premise is a single man who is straight. And 25 women trying to prove they're the one. And they compete for his heart in a pretty uh, retrograde series of dates and challenges. But when one man is involved with more than one woman, there's bound to be trouble. And then... Will he propose? Presumably end up... Who will he choose? ...with a proposal at the end. Find out on... The Bachelor. It's become a wildly popular show, one of the most watched matchmaking shows out there. It's got spin-offs like The Bachelorette, where multiple men compete for one woman, and it's really held on, right? How many seasons of The Bachelor have there been? We are on season 24 right now. Season 24? Yes, which is, I think, why it has kind of leaked into so many parts of our pop culture. So, Emma, I have been watching the show for a few years now. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) But now, as the host of a tech show, I've been interested in the crossover between what happens on social media and what happens on the show. Because, honestly, it's getting really hard to ignore. This season in particular has mentioned social media and the brand that you can build when you're on the show quite a bit. And you've been watching the show for longer than I have. So, was it always like this? Take me back to the beginning of The Bachelor. What was the first season like? 
The first season is like going into an alien planet if you're someone who has watched a lot of the current ones. Because keep in mind that in 2002, there wasn't really a culture of reality television the, the way that there is now. So it's this weird thing. Here's how the show's going to work. For months, we've searched the entire country for one of America's most eligible bachelors. They spend a lot of the first season trying to convince the audience that the guy who has agreed to be the bachelor is not completely desperate and crazy. He succeeded in every aspect of his life. He just hasn't managed to find the woman of his dreams. That these women aren't complete and utter nut jobs. To that end, we have selected 25 fantastic women. Uh, we have two doctors, two lawyers. Ten women have uh, either already gotten their master's degrees or are in the process of uh, obtaining their graduate degrees. And you can sense that they are assuming that most viewers will mostly just spend the entire time wondering why anyone would do this to themselves. Versus now, where you have this entire economy, essentially, that is built around reality TV, appearing on it, and then capitalizing on that platform after the fact. Okay, so that's now. But during the first few seasons, what happened after the show aired, like in between seasons? In the early years, the media and the information around the show was heavily controlled by the tabloids. You know, a New York Post, a People, or an Us Weekly, something in, in that genre of uh, publication would run maybe some updates about the state of the relationship. So when do things start to change? When does The Bachelor go super online? So the show started to dip in ratings. And then once Twitter came on the scene, the ratings started to increase again because this whole community of people who were watching the show live and chatting with each other about it started to crop up. I know for Sean Lowe's season, who he was The Bachelor one year, um, during his season, that was the first season I really remember seeing the lead of the show live tweeting the show and making fun of himself. I remember him being very self-deprecating in a way that was incredibly charming and made me like his on-screen persona more. And as Twitter gained in popularity and as then the show began to realize that if they loosened the reins on the contestants, it could be a mutually beneficial relationship, mm. um, it just kind of fueled itself. And these people began to become figures that people could track and were interested in even when they were off the show. My question, though, is at this point, Sean Lowe is not making any money from his tweets, right? No, no one was making money from this. Mm. It was just a way for them to kind of be in conversation with the highly edited version of themselves that you see on the show. And I think that was really appealing to a lot of people who were going on reality TV and then seeing a version of themselves reflected back that didn't feel complete. Okay, so when do people start making money? Once Instagram becomes a thing. And not just a thing, but a platform for brands to be selling things. It's like the funny Twitter bachelor personalities walked so that the Instagram influencers could run. These reality TV stars now are able to gain very large followings, especially if they make it to a certain point in the show. And especially if they are white and if they are women. 
And brands will then approach them and say, I would like to pay you to post a sponsored ad. I wanted to talk to you guys really quick about a product that helped us get pregnant. For those of you who don't know about essential oils. Your whiskey has a background story and this husband and wife duo. So it's got this love story with it. I feel like I am sipping it while on the beach in the sand under the sun. So what's not to love about this? I think some people are discerning about what they shell for, but others honestly just shell for lots of products that they would never use themselves. Do we know if they're making a lot of money from this? They are making a lot of money for this. And um, I know that, for example, there is a couple, Tanner and Jade. Hey guys, it's Jade. So Tanner and I are sitting here while Emmy's napping. They got married. They have two children together now. 34 weeks, which means the baby will be here very soon. And I thought it would be fun to show you guys some of my favorite baby products right now and ones that I use with Emmy. And uh, yeah, so let's get to it. And this has just opened up this massive world of marketing. The first year that the two of them were really going all in on Instagram marketing, they made more than a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. From meeting on a reality TV show. And posting a lot of Instagram advertisements. Make sure you check out these products. They're definitely uh, well worth it. So your podcast, Here to Make Friends, isn't the only Bachelor podcast that I listen to. Recently, I've started listening to a podcast called Game of Roses, which takes a very different approach from your show. How to win The Bachelor. The game, its rules, and all the best strategies for success in the Instagram era. Basically, the way the two hosts talk about the show is they analyze it as though it's a sport. Just like in any sport. Keep your eye on the ball. When they talk about the contestants, they call them players. And they talk about every move that they make as a play designed to help them win the game and become more famous so they can make more money on Instagram. It feels like a really cynical but maybe accurate read on the show. Does that ring true to you? I think it certainly rings true to me in in some ways. I think it's really tempting to distill something like a reality TV show down to a formula and take the most cynical view of it. Um, I don't think that most people are going in saying, I have a very specific strategy that I'm going to deploy. But I do think they've given up things. They've taken time off work. They've taken time out of their lives to be on a television show. And it's like, yeah, you probably want to get the most out of it. Right. And Part of getting the most out of it involves making fame last as long as possible, which I've noticed often leads former contestants to almost creating their own shows online. Can you give me an example of that? So Ashley Iaconetti is one of the women that kind of rose to prominence before this Instagram marketing phenomenon had completely taken off. Okay. But she then appeared on a few seasons, I believe two seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. Which, for people who don't watch The Bachelor, what is Bachelor in Paradise? paradise. Bachelor in Paradise involves dumping a bunch of Bachelor and Bachelorette rejects onto a third-rate Mexican resort and leaving them without air conditioning They're very for a sweaty. few weeks and, like, hoping they fall in love with each other. So, so Ashley was well-known on her season and then appeared on two seasons of Bachelor in Paradise and had 
a crush bordering on obsession with one of the bachelorette rejects whose name is Jared. I remember I kept looking, like I was just kind of like looking around and then like I'd catch you and you'd just be staring at me. That's because I was imprinting like, on you. It was love at first sight. And you were definitely like, imprinting mine. on me. And they had this kind of tumultuous friendship, relationship, unrequited love story that was picked up on screen and then was on social media and in the press in between this time. I never felt like it was over between us after Paradise, which is why I said we're still going to be friends. It was this drawn out, unrequited thing for actual years. And then off screen, Jared, in this very sort of cinematic way, said, I've realized that I love you, basically. And I walked down the stairs and you guys were in line already. And I went up behind you and I was like... I said something stupid. You said, can I steal I was like, for yeah, a second? I was like, uh, I know such a bachelor line, but... They got together. We made out real hard. And released this lengthy video announcing that they had gotten together and explaining the whole story, which I think many, many thousands of people watched. So I actually have... Is it, is it a million? Is it I more have, than a million? Yes, I yeah. have data on yeah. this video. So it is 44 minutes long. It's very long. It's on YouTube. And it has 2.5 Million views. The story of us. God. It's a novel. Yeah, it definitely is. We could write a book. But this, again, made them incredibly marketable outside of the world of the show. She and Jared got married, and it was not televised, but it was sponsored the hell out of. Let's let's put it that way. You know, every vendor is listed, and it was heavily, heavily covered, and I have to assume heavily, heavily discounted because they were promoting all of these various brands. And of course, this is an economy that exists a lot outside of the Bachelor world, but the pipeline is what has become very interesting. After the break, we take a look at how the Instagram economy has radically reshaped America's longest-running matchmaking TV show. That's next on Reset. If you purchase supplies for a small to mid-sized business, Zorro.com, that's Z-O-R-O.com, is your go-to resource. At Zorro, you'll find all the things that keep a business running, no matter what kind of business you're in. Zorro offers tools, safety equipment, cleaning and maintenance supplies, office and shipping, automotive, industrial equipment, and more. Including the specialty items you can't find anywhere else. Whether you're shopping for an office, factory, contracting business, or machine shop, you can get exactly what you need. And when you shop at Zorro, you'll find brands you already know and trust, like Prestone, Milwaukee Tool, Schneider Electric, and Proto, all at competitive prices. Want fast, free shipping? It's yours when you spend $50 or more. And if you have a question, a return, or need help finding exactly the right item, count on Zorro's customer service team based right here in the U.S. Visit zoro.com slash reset and sign up for Zedmail to get 15% off your first order. That's zoro.com slash reset and sign up for Zedmail for 15% off. Zorro.com. All you need to make your business go. If you're among the people who have started their own small business, you probably remember what it was like. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, and the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little easier? 
with FreshBooks. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them, without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com reset and enter Vox Reset in the how did you hear about us section to get started. That's freshbooks.com reset. So, Emma Gray, host of Here to Make Friends and senior reporter at HuffPost, we've talked about the Bachelor ecosystem that's grown up online, separate from the show. We've talked about the storylines that former contestants create on YouTube and social media. But those storylines have actually started to feed back into the show, right? Yes. So one example of that is Stagecoach, a Coachella-like country music festival. Sounds like my personal help. But there is a, you know, a lot of people who go on this show are really into it. So a bunch of the former Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants ended up at Stagecoach last year. And there were a series of hookups that occurred. Now, almost all of those people ended up then being cast on the next season of Bachelor and Paradise. Blake came into Paradise hoping for a fresh chance at love. Two second chances. But his Playboy past caught up with him as Kaylin revealed their secret history. Will he get away with his philandering ways? Find out right now on Bachelor in Paradise. So instead of papering over these things that happened, the show really leaned into it and actually used the fact that this one guy, Blake, had hooked up with several women in very quick succession against Blake on the show. And it really just merged the world of Instagram with the actual plot of the show. And suddenly you realize that this monstrous cycle has been created where The Bachelor actually never ends. So really, like, all of a sudden with that season, with this whole stagecoach drama, the jig is up. We are faced with the fact that there is a world beyond the show where these contestants are meeting, interacting with each other, and the show is faced with a decision where they have to showcase that or you're missing a major plot point. Right, exactly. And I think that... ABC and Warner Brothers, who produces the show, tend to be traditionally averse to this because they are still operating kind of in the mold of these old school networks and old school production companies. And I think that they struggle to figure out how to engage with the fact that the people they are casting on these shows are all involved with each other and their audience is engaging with all of this content that they're not controlling. So... This season also feels different to me because of all this Revolve stuff. Can you explain <laughs> what that is? 
So Revolve is, I mean, it's a clothing brand or a collection of clothing brands. Um, and I really know about Revolve because I have seen a bunch of Bachelor people over the years promote them on Instagram. And on The Bachelor, especially towards the beginning, they will have something called a group date where a group of women or men will go on some sort of adventure or challenge-based date with the lead. And this season, there was a date that was fully integrating the brand Revolve. Today, not only will you be shopping the cutest clothes, shoes, and accessories, but you're actually going to be modeling in the Revolve fashion show. I mean, it was incredible product placement and marketing for Revolve. They said the word Revolve, just like I'm saying now, about a million times. So how do you think having Revolve on the show fits into the influencer culture around the show? Honestly, it felt pretty natural. Like I, I have found it to be sort of silly and backwards for the show, which there is no separating the show at this point from influencer culture. There's a clear pipeline. Social media is going to exist no matter how much these production companies and networks resist it. They are not going to have total control over the way that the people who go on the show make money off of it after the fact. And so I think rather than pushing it away and trying to ignore it, there's almost something relieving about seeing them just lean into it. So that actually brings me back to the clip we used to open this episode of Reset, where one contestant is accusing another of being too brand focused. On the one hand, you have this influencer brand segment in the show, openly acknowledging that this is sort of a legitimate part of the Bachelor franchise now. And then on the other hand, you have a contestant talking about the idea of using the show to build a brand as something that's akin to a sin. That feels weird, right? Yes, and that you're really getting at the fundamental tension that exists between the way that this show was initially structured and the way that it existed for many years and the reality of the ecosystem now. I think what I find so silly about these arguments that the contestants end up having over who's there for the right reasons, who's only there for hashtags, it's like none of these women are stupid or the men that go on they're not stupid they know that this is something that could come from it they know also that only one in 30 of them is going to end up being in a relationship with the lead so you know you're probably gonna go on a tv show and get dumped on national television you got to get something out of that yeah it is not that crazy to me to be like well there's this other thing that i would still get even if i don't find love right there has to be extra incentive it happens to be the advertisers and the brands that will be interested in you once you're off the show. Right. And I think that the show is struggling with this because they have thrived off of this suspended disbelief of the audience, this kind of illusion that the only reason you would ever go on The Bachelor is because you just want to find love and you believe in the process. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That hasn't existed ever. There's always been an incentive to for a fun adventure, to go on reality television, to see what comes from it. Just do something to new. To do something weird. Yeah, and, and so I think trying to pretend that there isn't a general awareness of both the viewers and the people participating in the show that these opportunities exist just feels like very silly. It feels like they are fighting a a battle that they will lose. So, Emma, why do we care about this? Why does this matter? 
I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think that, so I think the reason that it's worth talking about is, again, because this show has had such a wide cultural reach and continues to have such a wide reach. You know, the, the audience of this show spans political views. It spans income brackets. And there is something about the ethos of it that kind of connects a lot of people, whether or not you're watching it and really critical of it or not. There is something that is is sucking people in. And when you not only have that, but then you have this entire cottage industry that is dependent on the eyeballs of viewers like us, it's worth interrogating what's going on there. Emma Gray, senior reporter at HuffPo. Thank you for being here for the right reasons. Wow. Just thank you for sharing what's been on your heart. My heart is so open. Thank you. I love that. (laughs) This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Zwimros, but you don't have to say it that way. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. Bert Pinkerton, Will Reed, and Skylar Swenson produced the show. Our engineer this week is Sahil Ansari. Our intern is Daniel Marcus. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. The mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music, and we had additional music from Poddington Bear and Noam Hassenfeld. Reset is produced in association with Stitcher, and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Tuesday. Later, nerds. 